Welcome, B2B startups, changeups, scale-ups, and grown-ups. This is the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman. Let's do this. My guest today is Gaziano Donaldi. He started in SEO at Pipedrive. Um, and uh, after that, went over to Sales Hacker. Uh, if you've listened to, I think, two, two episodes back, we had Max Altshore, the CEO of Sales Hacker on, and um, he scaled that business up from like, you know, 17,000 to 100,000 daily unique visitors or monthly unique visitors. Yeah, so, so that was um, monthly unique. So 100,000 monthly uniques yeah, from yeah. 17,000. Yeah. And now he is uh, handling demand gen for next Eva, which is a Telophony, IP Telophony provider. He also has a site called uh, Musicians in Tech. Yeah. Uh, Gaetiano, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Eric, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, I remember it wasn't, it wasn't long ago um, that I was working in a call center doing tech support, <laughs> actually, uh, my first ever real job, quote unquote. And uh, now people actually give a damn about what I have to say about marketing, which is something I never thought would be true. Well, I mean, I'm it's, always it's humbled quite an Thank experience you. you've had, you know, I mean, sort of falling into pipe drive, which is would be a great place to sort of get aware, become aware of SEO and yeah. then uh, doing the stint at outreach or yeah. actually prior to outreach uh, sales, sales hacker meeting yeah. up with Max. And, and it looks like you sort of started there uh, as director of marketing and then sort yeah. of as you proved yourself became VP. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> now, now those guys, right. You, you started, uh, you, you know, you had the list, you scrubbed it. You were at about 17,000, you grew to a hundred thousand, but let's, let's, let's sort of dial it back from there because maybe some people listening don't even have 17,000 people. Yeah. Maybe they don't even have 5,000 people. Maybe mm -hmm. they've got a thousand visitors a month or 2000 visitors a month. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of, where, where would you start with a company like that if they were fortunate enough to have someone like you come in and, and sort of look at their analytics and, and look at their, um, at their data and advise them mm -hmm. on, you know, which way to go? What would you look at first? How would you go about it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if, if you have like a, a website that is not getting a ton of traffic right away, maybe like you said, Eric, it's getting like a thousand visits a month or 2000 visits a month. Um, you know, the first thing to do is just kind of see where is the traffic that you already have coming from, right? Um, is it because you have like a partnership with someone and some brand is sending you a lot of referral traffic? Or do you have already some things going with SEO? Maybe you got lucky, you hit on a couple of keywords that you're ranking number one for that's bringing in some traffic. Um, what is the quality of that traffic in terms of the intent, right? Uh, is it very top funnel um, or is it something that may be uh, relevant to, to, uh, your bottom line, right? So for sales hacker, uh, sales training and sales consulting would be a bottom of funnel action that we would want someone to take. Uh, but we realized we weren't getting a lot of traffic to that page, right? Cause a lot of the things people were searching for were not, I need sales training. I need sales consulting. It was, it was things like what is sales development or what does a sales development manager do? So it, it was a good mix of, of topics like that. But um, basically, you know, what I would suggest is start thinking about ways to get um, easy, easy rankings going, easy wins, because SEO is very, very competitive. 
So if you want to start building out, um, more traffic earlier on, if you're a smaller website, you have to find long tail keywords, long tail keywords. That's what it's all about. So you have to find things that are easy to rank for that are also relevant to your business. And you need to start there because, um, if you're a new company that sells CRM and you want to rank for CRM, it's going to be too hard. You can't do it. So you got to find much longer tail variations of things to rank for and go that route. But that's kind of where I would start. I got a, a long tail story for you. Yeah. Tell me. Okay. So uh, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, something like that. There was a company called eCast and they made digital jukeboxes like coin operated and uh, credit card operated jukeboxes that in restaurants and bars, but rather than having a bunch of CDs in them and a CD changer, it had a CPU in it and the CPU hooked up to a mainframe or a server, you know, rack. And that had all the music inventoried <clears throat> and it was legit. You know, they paid out the royalties, the record labels and stuff, and, but you could, you could listen to anything. I mean, any song you wanted, you could listen to on a freaking jukebox, right? Used to be, oh, let's go to that bar. They have a really good jukebox. Well, now you've got a jukebox that got, that has everything, right? And so, you know, I was talking, I, they were a client of mine, and I was talking to the CEO, and the CEO says, you know, what do you think are the most popular songs on our jukebox? And I said, God, I, where, where do you think we make most of our money on our jukebox? And I would say, well, I would imagine it would be the top 10 songs, right? The top 10 songs that are charting. And he said, no, it's actually not the top 10. It's the bottom 9 million. Wow. And I thought, wow. wow, that's a really interesting story. And so at the time, um, you know, I knew Chris Anderson, who was the editor of Wired Magazine. Mm -hmm. So I called him up and I said, Chris, you got to meet Robbie Van Atabay, the uh, CEO of, of ECAST. He's got this really interesting idea about sort of how when you get rid of time and space, people's consumption habits change considerably. And so I set up a meeting between Robbie and Chris Anderson. And uh, if you read uh, Chris Anderson's original article, The Legend of the Long Tail, which ran in, in Wired Magazine before he wrote the book, the first guy quoted in the story is Robbie Van Atabay, my client. Wow. Yeah. So that was sort of the part of the gen my little, you know, role in the genesis of the long tail. But now this idea of long tail, this theory applies to everything, including SEO. This idea that it's not about coming up first for shoes. It's about coming up first for red leather shoes with blue sh shoelaces, right? Exactly. That's what you want to come up for. Exactly. And a fun fact is that most of the searches that happen in search engines are long tail searches. So, so like you just said, um, yeah, the term, you know, red sneakers may have, you know, 20,000 searches a month, but in aggregation of all the long tail combinations combined, there's far, far, far more volume, right? So that's the mistake. I think a lot of small companies, you know, they fall into that trap. Like you just said, they want the top 10 jukebox songs, the top 10 billboard hits, or, you know, the bottom 98 songs in, in, in aggregate. Uh, end up being more. So I think that's a perfect uh, analogy right there. I'm going to show you my analytics for okay. my site here. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Beautiful. Let me do that. And why don't you, why don't you uh, uh, school me here? What, what, what do I need to do here? Okay. This is fascinating. 
All right. Look at that, man. Wow. So <clears throat> looks like month over month, you are definitely growing. So you're doing something right. And right off the top of my head, what I see that stands out uh, as, as something is that 2020 media monitoring buyer's guide uh, gets more traffic combined than your homepage, which is a lot of traffic for that one. And the first thing I would probably do is look at that and say, you know what? I could probably grow my email list a lot faster if I had that article optimized toward something that would, that would offer like a content upgrade or potentially even like, you know, whatever it is, the main action that you want someone to do on your site. Talk to us for a minute, take a moment and explain to us what a content upgrade is. Yeah. So let's say you have the 2020 media monitoring buyer's guide and it's just like a, an, an open free blog about, you know, media monitoring. The upgrade to that is probably going to be something like uh, a downloadable asset. So you have a, 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 a brand name that people know already. So they probably just search for your name, um, type your browser, uh, your, your website name right into the browser. Cause you have about, uh, let's see. Yeah. At least half of your traffic is coming from direct, but you have some coming from organic search. All right. You have a ton of backlinks. That was, that was interesting. Cause I just migrated the three sites together. Yeah. That makes sense. So I took all the backlinks with me. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. So that means your site definitely has a ton of ranking uh, potential. Right. But it's not there. I haven't brought it together yet. You haven't brought it together yet. Yeah. But there may be some quick wins here. So it looks like the, uh, the keyword trend looks good. Um, You're increasing month over month. You have to start building out content clusters, right? So if let's just say B2B marketing, now that's a huge term. I'm going to go into, I'm going to go into Ahrefs right now and go to B2B marketing, right? This is huge, right? B2B marketing, 9,000 searches a month, 91% of the clicks go to organic listings, only 9% go to paid. That, so that tells you it's a great term. Uh, cost per click, $16, relatively commercial. But look at this. 42 keyword difficulties. So you would need 60 backlinks from unique websites of high authority and high quality. Like you can have all the domain authority in the world going to the homepage and the the domain itself. And you need that foundational link authority. There's no question about it. Um, So yeah, so cloud phone system, let's, let's look at this term, right? So we, a few months ago, we weren't ranking for this at all. And we went through that process of, of saying, you know what? Cloud phone system is very valuable. We know that we want to rank for this and we're going to, we're going to go through the process of making it an amazing, uh, landing page. We have a really engaging, um, title tag here with of course the target keyword front loaded and then features, cost, and benefits. Cause we know that's what people want to see. We also have the schema markup here so that you would be able to, for example, open up an FAQ right from the search result, click into an, an internal link and get into the site that way. Um, but let me pop this into Ahrefs and show you that we have been actively link building to a specific page. So this is going to be exact URL only. And yeah, you can see this. We've been building links to this over time. And now this specific page has 119 unique websites linking to it, 
with 189 backlinks. Let's check out those referring domains. Yeah, let's do it. Now, there's always some degree of spam here that you're just never going to be able to to fight. And that's fine. Google is really good at detecting spam and basically ignoring it. But if I sort by domain rating, here we go. HubSpot. <laughs> let's see what that was. How did we get a HubSpot link? Well, um, it looks like my guest post. <laughs> Look at that. So I guest posted on HubSpot and they rewarded me with a link to cloud phone system. And is a, that a, in your, in your byline? Yeah. Check this out. A byline from me on HubSpot. And this is where street cred and PR and thought leadership all have to do with SEO, right? How did I get the opportunity to do a byline on HubSpot? Well, because I'm known in the space, credible person, have done some cool things with my career history, good relationship with HubSpot. I've done a lot of favors for them. I've helped them with stuff, you know, that's kind of how this world works. You help me, I help you. That, you know. And so, you got yeah. you got to write a good piece too. And you got to be able to write good content. Like I know yeah. how to write really good articles stuff and stuff, right? And I've been experimenting a lot with LinkedIn marketing and LinkedIn content and videos on LinkedIn and I have spent a lot of time uh, analyzing what goes viral on LinkedIn and why. And I basically did a tear down with real life examples here. In fact, there's a video of me um, where I went to the mall and I cold pitched people in real life. So, you know, those annoying, hey, I think we have synergy. Can we discuss your 15 minutes you know, on, your, on, on your calendar to discuss any synergy we may have? I went to the mall in Scottsdale, Arizona and went up to <gasps> random people all day long saying, excuse me, sir, excuse me. Um, yeah, hi, I was wondering, do you have 15 minutes for a quick call? I would love to show you our omni-channel, uh, you know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it went viral. Um, it's hilarious. You guys should check it out if you have time. But anyway, like these are ways that I think about, all right, how do I put like the things that I do in real life into practical application to get SEO results? And this is really outside the box thinking like the number of dots that had to be connected from the time I'd made this mall video to, you know, putting it on LinkedIn, to hitting up HubSpot, to writing this piece, to getting that link to cloud phone system, then cloud phone system's going to rank. It's going to get traffic. It's going to get leads. We're going to get demo requests. We're going to get sales. <laughs> like it's one big, you know, ecosystem of connecting dots. <laughs> it's really playing the long game. There's no hacking to any of this stuff. Like, you, you know, it, that's why when you want to bid on cost per uh, cost per click for cloud phone system, let's let's look at how much you're going to pay for that, right? Um, <clears throat> let me go into Keyword Explorer, go to cloud phone system here. You're going to pay a lot of money just for the click. You're going to pay 55 bucks a click. That's pretty significant, right? Like just to get the click is tough. Then they, there's a huge chunk of people that are going to go to that page and not convert. That's just the way it is. And, you know, that's why, that's why it's, it's, I go always go all in as much as possible on SEO because we need to cut these costs down. And even if we're going to bid on this, we want to try and dominate it. We want to be number one organic and then have our paid listing right next to it so that we can kind of have that doubling effect in the search results and just kind of the brand just gets pounded into people's minds. You keep seeing it. You keep seeing it. Yeah. You know what? I keep seeing these next Nextiva guys. What the hell are they about? <laughs> so like I keep seeing that Eric Schwartzman guy, I keep hearing his podcast. I keep seeing his content. Uh, I, I'm on his email list now, you know, and eventually they're going to, they're, they're, they may buy from you later, maybe not right, right away, but you know, it's really just opening up as many avenues to discoverability as possible and getting high intent traffic and doing great, authentic, high quality marketing. And you're going to win. 
you're going to win in the long run if you do that. And that's kind of the point I've been, I've been, you know, driving throughout the, my entire career really. Um, and, and that's kind of how it all led me to this point today. What about, let's talk about email for a second. Let's talk about uh, best practices for building your email list. Yeah. I mean, I mean, does Honestly, it always come from these content inject these content upgrades uh, in in the post? Uh, how do you feel about pop ups? How do you feel about uh, landing pages that mm-hmm. are exclusive to email capture? Or do you feel like you know that you know uh, conversion form really needs to be in the body of a post and specific to the post? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen it all, and I've seen a lot of different things um, that can work. Uh, the most successful example that we ever did at Sales Hacker that worked really well um, was ranking for terms like sales Excel pipeline template. And we'd get a lot of traffic to that post and it was just a collection of Excel templates. And the cool thing we did there was we said, well, rather than gating everything and forcing you to give up your email in order to get these templates, we actually listed them out one by one and said, with each one here, download this individual template for free. You just click it and it downloads right to your desktop. Now, if you don't want to go through that hassle of downloading 20 individual templates all at once, just enter your email here for the bundle. (laughs) So you give it to them for free. You don't force them. You don't force them uh, to give you your email. You offer it all individually as one by one by one by one. And that's how you get that content comprehensiveness because underneath each template, you explain what it does. That's how you can rank. And then at the top of that, you say, oh, by the way, here's a bundle. Enter your email address to get the whole bundle if you don't feel like downloading all these one by one. And that had like a 20% opt-in rate. So you're, you're getting um, really high. You, you want to get really relevant with the upgrades and put them on um, relevant posts that are getting traffic. And that's a great way to do it. A next Tivo example is we, we rank for work from home tips and uh, are working from home tips. And we, um, we put our state of business communication report in that post right away at the top. And we're getting a lot of downloads from that. And people are opting into our email list from that. We also put it on our homepage. So if you go to the nextiva.com homepage, what we decided to do here for the homepage was embed the, the offer right here, just like that. So you don't get hit with a pop-up. It's more of an inline offer, which is far less abrasive than a pop-up. And then you, you go to the landing page and here you go. Just your email address field. That's all we want. And that's it. <laughs> all right. So these are ways, these are awesome ways to do it. Um, at sales hacker, I will tell you, uh, so the content upgrades were kind of little by little, you kind of slowly, but surely climb the mountain, but to get big chunks of new emails that really count and are real and, and will be engaged is webinars. You do co co-marketed webinars and co-marketed re- research reports with other companies that will co-promote with you together. And you will, and we, and at sales hacker, we were doing two webinars a week with a different company each time. So the compounding effect of two companies just always promoting webinars tends to be a massive amount of, of emails over time and between content upgrades, emails, in-person events. That was another thing. I mean, that's obviously off the table now, but for our sales hacker conference, you know, you could opt in right there at the event. We had, we had an iPad at our, at our, at our, um, at like our main check-in and said, Hey, opt into the email list right here. Boom. If you're not already on it. 
And you know, all these ways to, there's all these ways to do it. But the main, the main three that, that we used at sales hacker was content upgrades, webinars, um, co-marketed, uh, reports and white papers and co-marketed webinars, of course, and then live events. Okay. So let's say you, you have a new client and, uh, you know, they, they may not be committed for the long haul, but they're committed for the short term and they want to go after the low hanging fruit. What's the low hanging fruit? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the low hanging fruit is basically what's important to you. Like if you want to just really isolate to one thing and just do one thing, what is that one thing that you want? Is it, uh, and I'll give some options of what that might be. Um, option one is we have no idea what's happening with SEO. We, we're, we are clueless. Like we know a little bit about it, but we just need a deep dive technical audit of our site. We need a huge list of recommendations. We need to, pri- we need to prioritize everything and work through the recommendations with us and our dev team and our content team and just, you know, stick it out with us for six months and help us turn this into a machine. That's like one, that's one thing. The other thing might be, there's just one keyword that we really want to rank for. Help us. We know what that keyword is. It's val- It's supremely important to our business. We can't do it without the expertise of someone like you. Let's just focus relentlessly on that page. Is the URL structure correct? Is the content correct? Um, are there some un- like underlying issues technically that we can't figure out as to why this isn't ranking well? Help us figure out a link building strategy. How do we, how do we move about this? Um, all we care about is this one keyword. That's all we want to do. All right, that, that's pretty clear. That, that might be low-hanging fruit, right? Um, the other low-hanging fruit might be like, um, we have a ton of traffic coming to the site, but we can't convert it. We have no idea how to convert all this traffic. We're getting a lot of it, and we don't know what we're doing in terms of conversion. Where should, where should all these top of funnel, what should we do with all these top of funnel posts that we have that are getting tons of traffic every month? We have no idea how to, how to turn it into money. That's, that's an option. And then maybe finally, uh, and this is, and this is a more common one lately is, you know, Google has changed their algorithm a lot in the last six months to a year. And after each core algorithm update, we've noticed decline, 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 decline. And we, and, and if I look at where our traffic and rankings are today versus 2018, we lost 40% of our organic traffic gone what's going on. I don't know how to fix this or solve this or even figure out why it happened. <laughs> right? Help us get our traffic back. That's a very common problem that's happening right now. So those are just some of the scenarios I could think of that may be, um, as you put it, low hanging fruit. Um, and really practically speaking, the low hanging fruit always starts with things that are, you know, below position five, just looking through the non-branded keywords one by one and saying, all right, like there may be some juice here. There may be some juice there. What's worth trying to up, update and upgrade and improve what's on page two that if we got it onto page one would be tremendously valuable for us. So those are the things that go through my mind when you say low hanging fruit. For those clients that are having difficulty converting, they have the traffic, but it's not converting and they want some help around uh, calls to action. Um, how do you decide how hard or how soft they should be? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you got you got to do a couple of things. I think uh, one is you should 
if there probably are some conversions happening and I guess it depends on what your conversion goal is to start with. So if it's a white paper download, well, it's a lot easier to get that going then, but you should ask yourself, why do you want white paper downloads? Like, what are you going to do with that information? Once you get it, do you have like a pretty sound email marketing strategy built out? Um, that is going to add a lot of value to people who downloaded your white papers. Um, you're, you're not just going to follow up with them and hit them with SDR cadences. That's wrong. Or you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. Right? So once you, let's just say, let's just say like it's an intention, it's a high intent page though. Let's say it's the cloud phone systems page and you're not getting a lot of conversions and people are coming to that page and they're leaving. What you should do is start by listening to the conversions you're already getting. So if like, let's say there are some conversions happening and there's sales conversations happening from the, from the leads that are coming from that page, listen to those sales calls, get sales feedback, start there, um, get customer and sales feedback. If you can, if that's an option, if that's not an option, um, install a free tool like Hotjar and start looking at, um, heat map data, start watching the session recordings right? Um, This tool actually does monitor what happens with the mouse for every user that visits. So where do they click? Where do they move the mouse? Where do they scroll? How do they scroll? What do they do? Um, You can run, you can run a hot jar poll on any page as well. Um, That, that kind of gives you like, uh, you could ask a question like, what are you trying to accomplish here? And it could be like, see features, see pricing, see this, see that. You can come up with a multiple choice list. And you can see based on the responses, well, the one thing that they all want is something that I don't have on this page. That's probably why it's not conversions aren't happening, right? So it's as basic as figuring out what is really that audience after that you're not giving them. Um, And then finally, come up with a new version of a page to test and see what converts better. And then it comes down to science more more than it is art. Um, And you just keep playing around with it until you can um, see uplifts, right? And that's how you start to see wins. Let, let's get into the weeds a, a little here. So for A-B testing, do you like Optimizely? Um, truth be told, I have never used Optimizely, but I heard that it's fantastic. Um, I uh, have used uh, competitor tools to Optimizely, like VWO, which is a visual web optimizer. Um, Unbounce have used that. Uh, have also used Google Optimize as well. You like so, that? Um, Google Optimize? How do you feel about that? Not a fan. How come? not a fan. I found that, um, it underreported, um, uh, the goal conversion tracking quite heavily. Like when I looked at like the Salesforce numbers versus the, the Google optimized numbers, they didn't seem to be aligned. Um, so, so what do you like? I do, I do happen to really like visual web optimizer VWO. It's pretty legit. Um, I like that it has a heat mapping, and A-B testing all rolled into one. Um, and I also, I also like that it has um, uh, an exportable click tracking mechanism. So like, for example, you can see the individual elements that get clicked the most and you can export that data and see, and you can see things like, you know, uh, get started CTA banner clicked, you know, 80 times. Um, middle banner that said, learn more click 30 times, right? You can get it down to that level of granularity and you can start um, gaining insights by, by doing that as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, all these tools work the same um, for the most part. It's how you use them. 
Um, you know, p- potentially that Google optimized glitch may have been something technical with our stack that didn't work well. Like I can't say that if it didn't work well for me, it won't work well for you. You ultimately have to try everything yourself and see how it goes. But what it comes down to more than anything is like the practical use of these tools. Like how is your, like, how are you going about testing? Right. Um, are you kind of testing apples to apples as much as possible? Like for example, you wouldn't want to test organic traffic versus paid because it's way too different and you wouldn't want to change too many elements at a time because if you test two pages that are so radically different and one does better than the other, you're not going to know exactly what caused that. Um, it's going to be too hard to isolate the variables. So that's also the tension that you have to balance when you're testing. Can't just, you can't just change everything, but you know, you also can't change too few things like a, a common misconception, common misconception is like, uh, yeah, let's test this new headline. Right, Um, And what happens is, you know, you get a thousand visits to each page, the exact same page. One has this headline, one has that headline. They perform pretty much identical and you say, well, I don't know. Right. And really what it comes down to is you didn't get enough volume to each of the pages to make a a statistical significance. And the other thing is that a lot of times just changing the headline doesn't do enough. It doesn't necessarily change behavior. It only changes perception. So it's harder to get results that are validated when you um, are only changing perception. Like that's also why it's really tough to test like, you know, this color button versus that color button. Like it's, you know, it's not really a big thing. But if you're doing things like, yeah, let's put pricing at the top of the page versus the bottom. Like let's swap feature with pricing to see what makes more sense. Do people want to see features first then pricing or pricing first then features? like that is pretty significant, right? So figuring out the balance and the tension of how to test the right things um, is is crucial. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you like for um, content upgrade injections? Yeah, there's a lot of tools that do it. Oh man, I've used Optin Monster. I'm a big fan of that tool. Um, I've used uh, kind of custom designed CTA banners like that our design team will just build and we'll just turn that into a link which redirects to a simple landing page that that can always work pretty easily. Uh, there's another one called Sumo, which I'm sure a lot of people know about. Um, you can uh, you can have a lot of flexibility with that in terms of how you uh, use it. Um, Optin Monster too. Optin Monster and Sumo are essentially identical tools. I personally prefer Optin Monster um, because the um, the site speed is better with with Optin Monster. With Sumo, site speed gets crushed for some reason. The script's heavy, so, so I like Optin Monster better. But you know, you can use any of these. You can just search, you know, um, email list building tools, and you're gonna see a million of them. They all pretty much work the same way. It really comes down to how you use them, how you deploy them, how good is your content upgrade, how good is your traffic, do you get traffic, <laughs> right? So these are all the things that I think matter more than the actual tool they use. Do these guys all have honey pots or, uh, you know, some sort of way of discouraging uh, bot form fills? Yeah. So you, so we, uh, we use the tool I think called the uh, bright verify, which can integrate with all your form handlers and reject a certain type of email. So if it's spam or a bot or fake, uh, it won't pass through because the, the email verification tool API will be 
checking against that and not pass through junk or bot data. Um, there are ways to mitigate it for sure. Definitely. And, and with these tools, you're feeding into all sorts of CRMs. Are you basically a HubSpot guy or do you work with Salesforce or everything? Yeah. Um, so in, in my history of work, I have spent a lot of time using HubSpot. Very easy to use. Um, I, I think it's great. Um, uh, for the past two years at Nextiva, pretty much we're a Salesforce Pardot shop. Um, no difference really, honestly. Like, yeah, they have their, they look different and feel different, but they all kind of accomplish the same things. So it's not any harder for me to build a nurture sequence in HubSpot than it is to do in Pardot. <laughs> you know, it all kind of has the same, same stuff. Um, and I, you know, at, at Sales Hacker, we used um, Active Campaign. Big fan of that one. Uh, I remember we evaluated tools like Autopilot HQ and some others. Um, you know, I, I use Mailchimp to, to, for my personal, my my personal brand email list, right? So, th- like, they all kind of, I think they all kind of do the same things. Um, every business is different. You got to just feel out, I guess, what what's right for your situation and 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 go for what makes sense. But um, rarely um, pretty much never ha- has it been the case that a tool will will dictate how how effective um my marketing is so a final question uh because uh i've ha- i've taken a lot of your time here uh we could talk forever because you're so knowledgeable and and truly i i am uh, appreciative of your generosity with your knowledge um so you know you said in your interview with Dan Schur, and I'll have a link to that interview in the show notes for this podcast. And I would definitely recommend that if you're listening to this and you like what you're hearing, you should definitely listen to his interview with Dan Schur, which talks more specifically about the growth of uh, Sales Hacker and the acquisition by um, uh, Outreach. Outreach. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things you said in there is, you know, if you want to come up first, you need the best and the baddest content. You need to have the best content there is out there. But you know, it takes time and money to create content. You know, you showed us that, well, in some cases, you don't, you don't really need the best and the baddest content because it's not that competitive of a category, right? But then again, I guess for any category or topic that, you know, matters, you're going to need the best and the baddest content. So I guess, you know, other than the tool, uh, CareerScope, that you showed us, how do you fig- how do you determine what is the best and the baddest content? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, that's a, that's <laughs> that often is the most difficult thing to do. And, you know, I look at things like, for example, um, there, are manual, there are a lot of manual ways to do it, but like some things I look at for one is like, how fresh is this content? is like this search result showing all things from like 2016. If yes, then it shows you that it's outdated. So that's a sign. Um, the other thing is um, who's the author, right? Like is the author some unknown person that is probably a content, you know, writer from like some, you know, country that's uh, English is not the primary language, right? So that's how you, that's another sign that, okay, this is a pretty weak result. Uh, with a lot of weak content in here because the the authors don't necessarily have the authority or trustworthiness or expertise in this subject matter, right? Um, and you're seeing sites that, that publish content on like credit cards and loans and debt consolidation, like Google cracking down on those sites super hard. Like if you're in, this is not, 
the time to be in that world because you better be on point. And if you're not, you're going to get crushed. Um, so the author has a lot to do with it as well. The overall authority of the brand has a lot to do with it as well. Um, you know, if you're, and, and this is why it's so tough for, for brands that let's say that, let's say like pipe drive, right. They're known for CRM. Google has long associated their brand with CRM. Uh, if they suddenly, let's say, acquire an email marketing tool and they want to start ranking for email marketing terms, it's going to be very, very, very tough because Google likes topically authoritative websites and they don't like websites that try to rank for everything. It's too hard. So um, the brand authority in which it aligns to that topical relevance is also crucial. Uh, now getting into the actual nuts and bolts of the content. <laughs> so one thing I try to look at is um, um, what what is what is potentially missing from something, right? So if I if I see like um, you know a, a best sales tools, right, as a, as a search term, and the top result is let's say HubSpot, and they're talking about fifteen tools, I know that if I come out with a post on Sales Hacker that lists 150 tools, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to crush HubSpot because I give the people far more options. I give them what they want. And it's just more comprehensive because I list more tools. So anytime you see a search result that has like a numbered list, if you just build a bigger list, you'll probably outrank them, right? So that's another thing I look at. Um, then I also look at things like if it's a how-to query like how to do something and the form and the format and the formula for that post is not very step-by-step it's not linear it's not easy to follow it's missing diagrams there's probably not any videos on it um i are i already know okay this is not as easy to follow as 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 google thinks even though they're rewarding this site probably because they have big domain authority and a large concentration of links going to the domain i know i can beat this just because um, this is not easy to digest. It's not digestible in the way that they've presented the information. Um, and then I just look at just straight up, like, you know, if I, if I search a head term like sales operations, um, I would expect that sales operations talks about a lot of those semantically relevant things. And if I start analyzing all the top results for sales operations and I see, well, this post doesn't talk about strategy, this post doesn't talk about the tools. This post doesn't talk about how to structure a sales operations team. This post doesn't talk about the difference between sales operations and sales enablement. This post is missing a video. This post is missing an infographic. This post is missing data visualization. Now I'm rounding up a list of, okay, oh, I see all these gaps. I know that there's all these gaps now. Let me put together, after I manually inspect each listing on that page one, all 10 listings manually, and I identify the weaknesses in each one, then what do I do? I go build something that beats all these results because I include the weakness that they're missing. (laughs) So then naturally I will win because I've manually inspected each thing on page one, each top 10 listing and I've identified a weakness and I'm creating content that addresses that weakness in one okay. massive piece. Okay. I got to sneak in one last question. I'm sorry. I forgot. Nah, it, this is it, an important it. one. Okay. Do it. I noticed you had a byline in the Harvard business review. 
That's right. That is huge. That's right. How did you do it? Yeah. Um, basically, I was relentless. <laughs> I cold pitched the editor nonstop until they said yes. I uh, email, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, how many? How many pitches and how many rejections before they took it? Oh man, uh, I probably got ghosted. So it took like three months to crack through. That's pretty quick. Like three, three months. Three months is like that long. Months. It took like three months. Yeah, but I had, you know, I had a, a good mix of strategies, like, you know, retweeting the editor, like liking some of the tweets, replying to some of the tweets. It's taken me three months to get published on smaller sites. You know, also my topic was was on point. Like they really, they really liked the topic, which was yes. it was it was yeah it was during a time where like. Um, so first of all, let me tell everybody what the topic was. The topic was why you should work less and focus on creative outlets and things you enjoy doing because people are really stressed out in the workplace right now. And this was last year around this time. And this was around the time where there was a lot of websites publishing content around like that rah, rah startup founder, workaholic, you know, be a vampire, uh, you know, <laughs> don't sleep, just grind, grind hard, you know, the, the work culture, you know, that whole thing, the sales rah, rah, like there was a lot of websites yeah. publishing that. And I said, you know what, like I have a really unique story here um, because um, I, first of all, I don't believe in that sort of, um, you know, that mentality. It just, I just don't believe in it. And actually I'm more productive because I do the opposite. I'm more productive because when I feel myself um, in a rut and not being um, as on top of my game as possible, what I realize is that I'm just kind of getting burnt out from the week and I just need to chill and just work on music for a while. And I actually get recharged by that creativity because sometimes in marketing it's, it's more science than it is creativity and if you lose that creative edge in marketing, you start to get a little too cookie cutter. Like too SEO could be bad, right? Like too robotic, too formulaic. That's also bad. So you also have to be able to do things like write excellent headlines, drive high click-through rate, get creative with some of the some of the tone of the writing. The writing should be engaging and kind of hook you in. It can't just be pure robotic. And that's also a shift that's happening in SEO. The companies who are able to write in a way that um, is um, parsable to the human brain is more conversational, more more conversation, exactly more conversational tone, writing like how you speak. Um, And really, you know, because this is the way that, that things are moving right now. There's a, there's a tool called Amazon poly, which will essentially scrape your text and spit it out with AI in word form. So a lot of companies that I've, uh, I'm seeing a lot of this on a lot of blogs where you could just listen to the article has all the text below it. But then at the top, it says, by the way, are you driving or jogging or whatever? Want to listen to it? Just press play. And there's even people. uh, If you don't want to use Amazon Pi, there's people who are reading out loud their articles recording audio uh, to the text. So you have the text and then you have the, the author actually speaking it out. And then like a SoundCloud link or something like that embedded at the top that says, if you want to just listen to it, just listen to it. 
And that's a pretty good sign to Google as well, because the time on page for that shit is going to be through the roof, right? So time on page is definitely a factor because what Google doesn't want is really engaging headline. Ooh, this looks juicy. Click in here. Ooh, clickbait. Nah, I'm going to bounce. Really low time on page, hitting the back button, going back onto the search result. Sign of, it's a sign of content that didn't quite, didn't quite satisfy that searcher intent. The, the searcher is feeling left unsatisfied. And uh, a low time on page is an indication of that. And Google does look at things um, like engagement metrics. So if you have audio versions of your content on the page, that's going to drive things up significantly. Um, and that's a good way to, to increase ranking potential as well. Gaetano, uh, I sure appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's been a great conversation. I think, I think people are going to really enjoy this episode. Yeah, this has been good, man. I mean, I, you, you definitely, in terms of like your interviewing style and interviewing professionalism and just your ability to ask the tough and deep questions. Oh, don't stroke I, me, man. Don't stroke <laughs> me, baby. Dude, I give, I give you an A plus, man. I mean, you definitely Thanks, put, man. You, put me through the ringer here. Most of these, you know, podcast interviews, they kind of, you know, they, they get somewhat in there, but you, man, you, you definitely, uh, you made me think on my toes here. This was, this was tough, but I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt, brother. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening. This is Eric Schwartzman for the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. See you next time.